Hello and welcome to Medicine of Sound podcast. Thanks for thanks for coming. I I have no idea how to introduce you. Should we introduce you as a counselor and inspirational speaker? Uh, yeah, I think we could do that. Uh, my name is Jerry Fleming, and uh, I have my own counseling practice. It's called Within Reach Counseling. And yeah, I've known Chase for a little while, and. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, brother. We've always wanted to do a podcast, and really what we're doing here is you're just going to get a sneak peek into our normal conversation, because as soon as we start conversing, it gets really, really good and really applicable, I feel like, to a lot of people's lives. Mm. And um, what were we just talking about? And I, I said, we need, to, we need to turn this on, because... Uh, we were. What were we talking about? We were talking about the fact that... You uh, wanting to like uh, diversify yourself and the fact that when you're in something um, and you realize that you, you should be out of it, mm-hmm. that really it was five months ago, six months ago. Yes. And I had said, yeah, just like a relationship. Like yes. All of us know that like every single relationship we've ever been in, it's like... At minimum six months that we're like, okay, this, I should have, I should have left this. Exactly. If we're honest with ourselves. Right, right. So we were just actually speaking about how I've got, I've got a bunch of different entrepreneurial projects going on. And he was asking about if at some point I don't want to do some of the things that I'm doing, but I feel like we need to recheck in with ourselves every moment and kind of recontract with the path that we're on. And sometimes we just don't do that. We just think that automatically um, I'm already on this trajectory, so I'm staying on it. And we don't second guess it. And there's this thing that I've been saying quite recently about self-doubt, how a lot of people have a um, baby with the bath water, self-doubt is bad kind of a thing. Right, yeah. Whereas I'm sure with your practice, you can find a multitude of ways where self-doubt is actually applicable, mm. not in a negative sense though, that we're like depreciating ourselves where we should be doing well with ourselves. It's more like uh, if we doubt ourselves with the path that we're on for at least a moment, we'll be able to see if it's still relevant for us. Right. So uh, yeah. would you be able to apply that to any people that you've had in your practice? Yeah, I think I think, I think it relates in everyone's life with everything that they do. Like, I think it's about checking in with yourself um, on an ongoing basis. If you're not, then it's all about the intent. It's all about, like, why am I doing this? And that is, I find, the thing that usually slips right? Like you're in a relationship and your intent in that relationship is to be a loving partner and all these sorts of things. And the next thing you know, you're in that relationship, but your intent that you're not checking in on on all the time has shifted. Mm. You don't even know that it's shifted. Mm. Now it's, you're in that relationship because of security, because, oh, well, we have a house together, we have kids together, all of these sorts of things. And so now your purpose has shifted as well. Mm. Right. So it's the same thing as the stuff that you're talking about. It's knowing and checking in with yourself and knowing that like, okay, I'm putting, I'm putting the right intention in here. Doesn't it always just come back to awareness? It's just a simple, simple thing, right? It's like we have all of these pathways and all of these gateways. And the only thing I find which gets very befuddled and confusing is when we just say this equals bad. 
right? It's like this super dichotomy thing where I've been bringing in a lot of um, appreciation of the what we would normally call the negative attributes. Yeah. So, you know, pointing out to someone that like in this moment, you're judging yourself and then someone will be like, oh my goodness, I'm judging myself. Oh, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. It's like, well, no, no. There's a lot of reasons why this applies to reality. It's just misapplied right here. Right. And if we notice all of those those times, I think we'll, uh, we'll end up doing ourselves really well. And then what it comes down to is just discerning. It's like discerning, is this, is this correct? Is this yeah, correct? Yeah. Which application is this useful for? Yeah, I think it all comes back to gratitude there and having it like just practicing because we aren't we aren't taught to have gratitude, mm. uh, especially for things that are uncomfortable. So being able to have gratitude for a breakup, mm. as an example, uh, is is key to be able to uh, learn and to be able to make the changes necessary in yourself to have a better relationship going forward. Right. But so being able to check in with yourself um, and having that awareness. Yeah. The uncomfortable part is, is that when we check in and we see those parts of ourselves that are scary. Right. That uh, it's easier to, uh, you know, look at our phone here or turn on the TV. Um, pretty much anything like anything to numb ourselves. Well, and I would also say another way that we numb ourselves is doing this like, you know, in the spiritual or hippie community, all love and light thing, yeah. right? And then and then we've got the contrasting opposite, which is that people will often be um, just doing all of this clearing and yep. I have all this darkness I need to clear. And we can get super affixed on either either end of the spectrum, yeah. right? And think that we constantly need to heal or thinking we constantly need to just focus on good, happy thoughts or whatever, right? Yeah. And um, there's this just perfect dance that's constantly happening. And yeah, when it comes down to it, it's always about cultivating more awareness for the, the application of it. So when uh, you were just texting me, uh, not on the way here, but earlier, mm. um, we were chatting about narcissism and how mm. everyone uses that basically huh. as a scapegoat for their problems yeah. this is a misapplied <laughs> those always we're going to talk about <laughs> misapplication yeah, yeah. this is like uh i i feel like in my experience and i don't know anything about i don't even know probably what the term actually means outside right. of the story of narcissists looking at himself in the reflection mm. and yeah, that, that whole thing, that's all I know. But narcissism seems like from what I've heard from others, that there's a spectrum and you're ticking boxes and you have to have X <laughs> amount of boxes ticked. Do you want to give an explanation of that? Yeah. Narcissism, as far as it is in our society right now is, um, like you, you see a lot of stuff on Facebook and memes and stuff that, are warning because their partner um, had narcissistic traits and these sorts of things. Um, and it's a, I, like a narcissist, a narcissist lacks empathy. A narcissist um, is self-indulgent um, and is called selfish um, and has to focus on themselves. But it's, uh, it's misapplied in the way that it's like it's just a bad thing and these are bad people and that's the situation but really like those people have mental illness 
Like mm-hmm. that's a condition, mm-hmm. right? Which absolutely no one has empathy for. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It's right. just like let's <laughs> like throw the baby out with the bathwater sort of deal that yeah. you're talking about. Yes. It's like let's turf those people. Those people are bad. Mm-hmm. Now, it's they are struggling. They are just like people who have depression or anxiety are struggling, um, and how they may act out when some people act in. So there's two types of people in the world. People who act in and kind of um, maybe hurt themselves more, right? With uh, self-talk and all that kind of stuff. And then there's people who act out and manipulate and maybe say harsh things and um, all these sorts of things. Mm. And so I think a lot of people feel that narcissists uh, act out a lot. So it's it's looked at as, a, as abuse. And in many ways, a lot of the behavior that's happening is like it's not it's not that it's to say like, OK, let's excuse this behavior. Right. But th- when it comes down to everything, that awareness piece that you said is that you cannot like the easiest way to get rid of a narcissist or this um, when you see something posted that it's like all I do is keep on att- attracting these narcissistic people in my, into my life, whether it's in a relationship, friendship or whatever it is is to love yourself now that seems very hippy dippy like okay yeah that's the answer to everything i guess but really like a narcissist needs someone to not value themselves they need that if they don't and you start valuing yourself and start setting boundaries and start loving yourself and all these sorts of things then they will leave Mm. because they need you to not value yourself reminds me of seems like every context if there's a breeding ground for something to fester it will kind of like in our bodies if we decide to consume an excess amount of sugar we have the potential for a breeding ground of yeast and candida you know it's like um, the breeding ground is there the potentiation is also always there. So the potentiation in the human consciousness is that if people don't value themselves, someone will step up and basically take that value from you. And I think it's a... It's a very interesting thing because once again, it comes back down to awareness and comes back to ourselves, right? All, com- all of the teachings yeah. always come back to, well, what what role are we playing in the um, the unfolding of this actually happening mm-hmm. in our society? And if we're really responsible about it, you know, there's no judgment on others that can really even be had. There's only understanding. There's a... Um, thing that I've been saying lately where the um, differentiation between gossiping and quote unquote talking shit and actually speaking to understand a human being would look to some people on the surface as identical because some people would think like uh, don't talk about someone when they aren't present in the room like there's there's those certain things but if we need to understand why they're making us feel uncomfortable and why um, it's a challenge to be around them and then we understand that there's some sort of character attribute that they are let's say exacerbated that's triggering us then we are actually utilizing gossip as understanding right Mm -hmm. the main thing is if we're cutting down their character and we're trying to like um slander them or turn people against them right right? and that's that's the clear differentiation where Mm -hmm. once again it's it's a it's a slight discernment because 
you have you run the risk by doing that as actually having someone want to gang up on someone and, and talk bad about them. Right. But once again, it comes down to us if we're talking through an understanding lens and we go, okay, well, ultimately, I want to uh, understand this person. I don't want to talk bad about them. So right. we redirect the conversation continually to understanding, even if someone wants to dogpile on them. And often, if someone wants to continually do that, that's not the right person to have that understanding conversation sure. with, obviously, yeah. <laughs> right? But yeah. yeah, and what does it come back to again? Intent. Intent. Right? Mm. Like those two things, if I was watching you talk to somebody else across the room about somebody else, right? It might look the same, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It might look the same like, uh, this person's not around, mm -hmm. right? But the intent behind it is you're talking to somebody else, having a conversation, wanting wanting to go, okay, like I want to get to the root cause of this. Like I care about this person and um, I want to understand them, mm. right? And so like to get back to the, the narcissism thing is that so someone who doesn't value themselves, which is they attract each other, mm -hmm. right? It's a very difficult thing, right, to be able to, because in both cases, right, in both cases, there's actually been trauma that's happened at some point in their life, right, that says that they're not lovable, they're not worthy, they're not good enough, all of these sorts of things. And so when we have that sort of thing, we're going to attract someone into our life that confirms that, mm. right? So when we don't feel like we have value, then we're going to attract someone into our life that's going to prove that over and over. And so it's a very, the thing that when I see it and it frustrates me is because I don't want people to be victims. I want them to empower themselves. And when all these memes are thrown out that it's this other person, then that other, pe that other person or the next person you get into a relationship with needs to change for you to have peace and happiness. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Right. Right. Now you're just rolling the dice. It's like the, it's just coincidence. If someone good comes into your life, I don't think that it's not the way it works. So it's like empowering yourself and bringing it back to you and making it about like, okay, what do I deserve? Um, and loving, loving that part of yourself that, you really don't value, mm. right? The part that um, is hurting and you think is ugly, that part of you that you think is ugly is that um, like having a voice, having a voice to that and being able to um, love yourself there and being gentle with yourself is so important. And then once you can do that, right? And it's not to say like you need to be perfect, and uh, perfectly healed or whatever, like, oh, that's BS anyway, mm -hmm. right? But when you're on the path, when you're on that path now of being able to love yourself and practicing that, then you will start to attract people into your life that aren't narcissists, that are people who are loving and caring and value you, um, respect you, and uh, accept you for who you are. And, mm -hmm. like, I've experienced this myself, like not just in my practice, but in my, for, for myself. Uh, and it's challenging because now when you start to attract those people into your life that accept you and love you and value you, now you can't, when there's, when there's a, a, a struggle mm. right there, you can't look at that person and blame that person. 
Right. So the only person left is you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, God, okay. Like you run up against yourself a lot. In, in In a healthy relationship, you can expect to run up against yourself a lot because mm-hmm. the other you've attracted a person into your life that is is healthy. Um, you can have healthy communication with, um, open and honest. It's it's yeah it's but it's really relationships are mm-hmm. a struggle. They, they sure can be. Yeah. I feel like what you've explained too is that there's like um, a trajectory and a continuum of lessons Ugh. and how, how these lessons come yeah. through is who we attract, what situations we encounter. And with a lot of it, I find what's interesting is that people will, you know, even let's say they, they decide that their partner is a narcissist and they right. go, whoa, I've woken up to this now. Mm. And now what they want to do is just leave their partner and find a new one without doing any of the internal work, yeah. which would make sense on the surface or make sense to a naive mind. But I'm not saying if someone is experiencing actual physical or mental abuse to a high degree with a narcissistic personality, you should probably excommunicate that person. (laughs) But at the same time, realize when you're doing your personal work on your own and you attract a new person that seems to embody the same qualities, well, it may be that you're still attracting that, that, that type of person, but it's what would you what would you use as the guidepost of mm. once you know what you're attracting because this is this is an interesting subject because i could ultimately get involved with a myriad of different people a myriad of different females and some of them may have certain qualities and some of them might not right. would you say um does it come down to the feeling behind it that brings you to a point where you know what um you know, if you have a very strong feeling towards them and you're feeling also that they are embodying these qualities, right? would you go, okay, this is how I know I'm still a vibrational match or um, in a point of attracting this type of person? Yeah. It's, it's not a black and white of course, uh, right. answer yeah. there, but it's, uh, it, it's definitely a feeling um, in the way that in the way that it's going to feel different. Um, it's going to feel like something's missing, usually, mm. um, because if you're the type of person who's used to that chaos and now you've invite, you've worked on yourself and you've invited somebody into your life that isn't, um, then it's going to feel like something's missing because mm. um, the highs in a chaotic relationship are so high, feel so good because the lows are so low, mm-hmm. right? So when you're in a more healthy relationship and it's more in the middle, like uh, like it's still ups and downs, but it's it's more in a healthy relationship, then uh, yeah, it, it might feel like something's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just about checking, again, checking in with yourself and being able to, um, it's not like you are going to, attract that uh, perfect person um if that perfect person is out there it's it's more like you were just saying is that there's still always lessons right and it's about more i've found that now that i'm like my for myself that i'm in a healthy relationship it's constantly just like okay like what's my part in this Mm. right what's my part in this like uh how can i be better in this relationship and not in a way that it's like 
if you're doing it again from intent that it's like i need this relationship right if you if you're ever in a place where you feel like you need that's not a good uh, that's a good uh that's a good tuning fork to mm-hmm. that's not a good feeling mm-hmm. um but if it's like i want i want to do this for my partner not i need to do this or else he or she will get upset or he or she won't love me or he or she will leave any of those things it's just i want i want to do this so yeah it's it's it doesn't like it's not like you get into a healthier relationship and it's uh all of a sudden you know super just easy. sunshine and roses yeah it's yeah. still it's still work um yeah it's still work I would say from my for myself from yeah. my past relationships being very chaotic and recognizing mm-hmm. the highs and the lows is um you know we will ultimately keep attracting that if that's what we want the really undercurrent of all of it is that we have to be sick of ourselves and sick of our <laughs> our own role yeah. in that re- style yes, yes. of a relationship and then I would also um you know suggest or prescribe a lot of alone time in between <laughs> yes. that yeah. relationship yeah. and your next one because <laughs> the recalibration process is so real like the pathways in our brain you know they cannot be omitted with just some pharmaceutical drugs or even some meditation or ayahuasca no. whatever it's yeah. just not going to bypass that draw for um just wanting it to be exciting because with the draw of wanting it to be exciting, we must also be having this thing where there's going to be a polar and opposite experience, you know? So I think that's it. It's like when we start to feel that, that this is going to be really good, this is going to be the really exciting thing. And you're feeling this extreme amount of energy in you. I would say that's the immediate red flag that like get, out of whatever you're about to do, you know, like, because, because I'm, tr- I'm trying to point out the, the premonition of awareness that people can use. Yeah. But the thing is, that's funny is usually that person has already been down for so long that that contrastingly beautiful vibe of being high on a person now is like, I'm not going to listen to anything. I'm just going for it. So, and this is, this is the trick. This is the trick of our own minds and the trick of being caught in this like lukewarm limbo area of who we're attracting as partners. You just get stuck there and you're like, okay, well, I've been, you know, single for a long, okay. It's like whatever a long time is for you. For some people, it's two months. For some people, it's two weeks, you know, like I need to... I need to have a person here, right? And then they get really high on the idea and, you know, go through this catalytic experience. And ultimately, we need to be sick of not only the lows, but the highs as well. If we're not sick of the highs and recognizing that those highs do not come without a low, you know, we kind of need to be more in this like, you know, Buddha-like neutral, neutral state and not need to. It's just going to serve the evolution of, um just waves as opposed to storms you know yeah it's more about it's more about pumping the brakes so Mm -hmm. like you get into a relationship and you're like oh my god i'm so excited and this when you start to feel that like this person's the answer this person's gonna fill this hole in my chest Mm -hmm. that um i've been feeling my whole life it's basically what it is um yeah it's like okay so pump the brakes like Mm -hmm. whatever like lightning fast experience you're on just slow it down, right? And are you okay with slowing it down, mm-hmm. right? Probably not. 
Like probably, probably the no. feeling is like, no, no, no. I like, uh, this and, feels so good. But if it's, uh, yeah. but, but if it's right, yeah. right. Then you should be able to have that conversation with that person and be like, Hey, like I've rushed into so much stuff. And, uh, like I, I, the loving thing for myself here is to just slow things down a bit. And that other person's going to be, if that person's the right person's going to be like, Oh, 100%, no problem. Like, so what what it sounds like you're you're suggesting here is a um, some deep breaths in the midst of intense infatuation. So what are your thoughts as a counselor? And I don't even know what what the books say about infatuation because I I mostly am just always speaking from my my own experience. I scrutinize my experience incessantly through my entire life to learn from it. But um I've come to my own perspectives of infa- right. infatuation. I'm curious what uh what yours is and you know. Yeah. Um I find that the infatuation part is what's it going to answer? Like um how is this serving me? Cuz everything in our life serves us in one way or another. And so what's it promising me, right? Is it promising me that I'll be, um, I'll be whole, that I'll be successful if I have this relationship, um, that people, I'll be accepted? Because mm. uh, in, like, in society, it's like if you, especially as you get older, if you don't have a partner and a family and all those sorts of things, then you're incomplete. So it's part of it is about asking like, okay, what's the promise here? What's the promise here? And that infatuation is usually a, it's promising me something, right? That mm. uh, it may, can make you feel uh, masculine. It can make you feel powerful. So are you saying the more you feel like you're going to get out of it, the more drunk you will get on the infatuation? Oh, yeah. That makes like, sense. Relationships, yeah. relationships are about what can you give? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right about what you can give uh and it's it's like unconditional love unconditional interesting that you say that because yeah the most recent interactions that i've i've had have absolutely not been about whatsoever yeah. what can i get from this person what are they going to bring to me what are we going to be able to do to and any of, of those things yeah. i'm just like oh how can i serve this this person and what how I, rewarding yeah. is that going to be it's yeah. going to be amazing you know? it's not yeah. what am i going to get out of it mm-hmm. right when you think about what like unconditional love is okay so this is like like starting a whole new conversation in a way because it's a question to ask yourself whenever you leave a relationship um, is what is love to me? Because mm. I need to reevaluate what love is if I thought that that was love. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it's got nothing to do with that other person. Right? That other person, you, it, it, it could be another person that comes along is going to fulfill that same requirement of love. Right? I'll give you an example from as myself. Sure. So I grew up, and uh, my nanny, my grandma, lived two doors down from me. And she uh, favored me in the family, and she favored my dad in the family. Like, she never even made a secret of it. She was a very blunt woman. And she made me feel special. She Mm. also gave me unconditional love, Mm. okay? But those two things, growing up, that's what I thought love was. Like I thought, love was were, was those two things. Being the favorite kind of thing, or not even a favorite, just special. Like special, so the word "special" yeah. is like okay. uh, I'm different, 
Mm. Right. I'm different than others. Mm. Right. And myself being more in tune with, I guess, what would be called growing up is feminine qualities with emotions and stuff. Then I did like I did get called that growing up. But the the requirements and the weight that I would put on women uh, was impossible to live up to. Of course. Yeah. Right? They're supposed to live up to my nanny's love. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> that is insane. Right? It's insane that they're going to be able to do that. It's insane that she even gave you that much love. Yeah. And, and that degree to, to begin with. Right? Uh, it was yeah. just endless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? It, but it, it was also like it took me to realize that I'm like, okay, I need to feel special. Mm. Right? I'm probably going to attract some an unhealthy relationship. If I am the if I need to feel special in this, mm-hmm. right? That's gonna probably be those highs and lows, right? They're gonna make me feel like the best thing in the world, and at times they're gonna make me feel like the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. right? That makes sense. Instead of like just being accepted for who <laughs> I am as Jerry. <laughs> Too uh, simple, no, man. No, Who that is that. That is not sexy, Chase. <laughs> That's not sexy. No, <laughs> it's not sexy at no, all. No. So it's um and and you when you when we look at Hollywood and we look at all this sort of stuff, it's relationships, romance, all these sorts of things are um, put on a pedestal, and this is the way it's supposed to look. And if men don't treat you this way, and if men, don't, if women don't do this, then that's not the epitome of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like we, I, I learned, I learned a long time ago when I was in school and it hit me doing a, during a breathe, uh, once that I somehow, and I, I find a lot of other people do this as well, that I make my love, I separate my love in my mind, like in the way that I, I'm like, m- the love I have for my father is special and different. Mm. And the love I have for my sister or one of my best friends or for you or for uh, someone walking down the street, they're all, they're, they're different and they're not. Mm. It's my love. Right. Now, how I show that love, right, in an intimate relationship or just kindness to a stranger, uh, what, how I show that love is, can look different, right? But the abundance of the love that I have um, isn't, isn't, but by putting these, that, that, this type of love on pedestals, when you put people on a pedestal, then we're not making them human for one thing, right? Cause they, they're, they're flawed, right? And so we're putting them in a, in a, in a, in a special pedestal that they're probably going to fall from. And when they fall from, then you know that's a fall it can it can be a far ways to fall mm-hmm. and it's not fair it's not fair to that other person so it's you know reevaluating what love is to yourself uh i find it's a big a big component uh when it comes to relationships that sounds huge it also seems interesting because within this whole paradigm is when we're drunk with the infatuation we can bring ourselves to be the person meeting all of these needs for the other right so we will like summon all of this unheard of energy that we've never had when we work a full-time job and we have like all these other duties but then we've got this person and oh this i see that this is what they like so 
ta-da, 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 and you start doing all of these things. And I feel like that's one of the biggest falls. It's, it's double. It's that we start doing something that isn't actually authentically true of what we naturally would want to express our love to be. And then we're being met with this other person that, um, yeah, we're thinking they're going to tick all of these boxes. And then it's almost like a, like a big, beautiful castle that gets built for a very short period of time, depending on how short. For, sand castle. Yeah, sand <laughs> castle. And then, and then one wave of a challenge yes. comes through and that whole thing. And, and the funny part is what I've n- noticed is, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a house of cards, you know? It's, yeah. like, it's like so delicately built because none of it is real. It's an illusion. We're, it's an illusion. It's in your head. We're, we're in this fantasy and we're just like milking it for all it's worth. We're on a vacation of, of this high mm-hmm. Um, so what, how would you suggest someone notice their marks of authenticity and when they're not being authentic within the parameters, especially of infatuation, you know, of course it just is like exercising awareness, but these are, these are things that I feel like we're, we're immediately going into the, the roots of all of what causes challenge with relationships, especially from the get-go. And if we want to be able to obviously recognize the narcissism before we get with one, we don't want to be that person ticking all of the narcissistic boxes after we've been this selfless person at the beginning. And I'm doing all these things, I'm doing all these things, and then you just become yourself, and now you're going to seem like a narcissist because None of that was authentically you. So you remove all of these things that you've done for the other person and the other person now is just like, oh, they were they were lying the whole time and yeah. now this is the real them. It's 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 funny because it's just like this messy soup that continually gets made between two people. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think I've told you before I reference it as uh, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a spider web. We're all spider webs. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're just this connected, sticky, messy, <laughs> but beautiful, mm-hmm. um, network. Uh, and we're half trying to figure ourselves out and under untangle ourselves. And then we invite some, another spider web to <laughs> join us <laughs> and it just gets more tangled and more messy. And how can we fit together? And yeah, it's, it, it can get messy, but to your question, um, yeah, it's <sighs> so your question is how can you recognize? Yes, what are hmm I I'm I'm basically asking a question as if I was to probably meet an all-wise Buddha in a cave somewhere. <laughs> you know, like this is a hard question. As soon as yeah. I I dished it out, I was so, like, man. So, so yeah, the way I yeah. the way I the way I would answer it is this. Yeah. Let's remove it from relationship because there's going to be people who listen to this and are triggered because they're like, I've been in a relationship with a narcissist or of course, uh, yeah. I'm, I've been in these relationships that are difficult. And so let's remove it from relationship, mm-hmm. right? And have it come down to um, say that we decide that we're on the weekends, we're going to start going to a soup kitchen and delivering it, helping um, hand out soup to the needy. Okay. If that is just in service, right, then it'll make me feel good. Like, I'll feel like, oh, like, I feel really nice. I feel good, right? But I'm not needing anything from them, right? I'm not doing it because I want others to know, Mm. right? The community Mm. in which we're in or whatever that, oh, look, Jerry volunteers. 
chase volunteers. So it's, it's more, again, it's like, what am I getting out of it? What's the promise? What is the, what is, what is it giving me that I'm, cause in relationships, it's often like, if I do this, then I feel valued. Mm -hmm. Right. But it usually comes with, uh, uh, hooks is what I call them, mm, where it's like, yeah. uh, we attach these hooks, like, well, you better give me this in return, because if you don't, then I'm going to feel gypped, and I'm going to feel resentful, and I'm going to withhold my love from you, right? So it's, it's when we can remove it, like, sometimes it's, it's so simple, the same way that the soup kitchen uh, idea because there's no emotions uh, or to cloud things. Uh, and it's, it's about like, why am I doing it? I'm doing it because I care for the person, mm-hmm. right? So you can be the type of person who does things for others. But if it's, if you're, it, as soon as you start to feel resentment or you start to feel uh, off or um, negative feelings toward that person because xyz because you did something um and they never returned that love in some way it's a lot of people look at it and go okay how can i reevaluate this relationship and am i I with the right person and all these Mm -hmm. sorts of things when it's literally everything in the world is information and it's like the universe if that's what the word that you want to use or who whatever it is for people that listen to this is that it's it's always giving us information and teaching. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Is that like, so when we when we get that and we start to feel off or we start to feel resentment, it's always the universe saying, "Hey, you might want to check out on this. Look at this." Right. Right. When these feelings are coming up, um, we can feel. It's like the the. The example I give to my clients all the time is uh, when, uh, like, if you're driving somewhere and someone cuts you off, the level of upset and rage that you can feel sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Now, you don't know that person. That person, you don't know their name. You might not know what they look like. You know what the vehicle looks like, and that's about it. But, like, what's underneath that, the level of disrespect or that you weren't, um, you weren't, considered mm-hmm. there right that like the core of that goes down to like when you were a child and you were not loved or considered or something like that like the the level of upset that comes from there mm. right so it's a the correlation between road rage and your inner <laughs> child yeah, i love really. it i love it but that's so true because yeah. the disproportionate amount of energy that we experience in regards to anything must be caused from something else which is not in the present moment, yes. right? The the real issue is when we think it's proportionate. <laughs> you know, it's like when when I have had friends and they're just yeah. like, oh, I just I just road rage hard, man, and like they just, they just like it. That's just what they do when they enjoy it. They get high on it, and obviously, there's if there's no problem, there's no problem. The only problem is 
with myself being exposed to that energy, I limit myself from that exposure, you know, and then, and then that ends up being its own thing, right? Where you're attracting just people that like to road rage or that like to complain or that, that whole aspect of things where we want to revel in our insanity. And then we become aware that this isn't really working for me anymore, the way that I've been currently doing things. Yeah. So I, I use, I use everything in my life uh, as a barometer. Mm -hmm. So I just use it as in like, because I do have days just because I'm a counselor, something doesn't mean I'm like, you know, some uh, got it all together. Like I still, I struggle. I struggle way less than I used to because Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of work on myself. But if someone cuts me off and I can feel that coming up, then I'm like, okay, I need to look at something. Now, what is it? Hmm. First thing I go to is that I'm not taking care of myself. Mm. That's the very first thing. Like, I'm not loving me. I'm not doing things for myself. Because that's my kind of go-to is that I'll do for others or um, just to even just stay busy and uh, like a like a phone or TV or whatever. And not I'm not checking in with myself. I'm not checking in, tapping into um, the universe, right. Or for God or whatever it is for, I'm not, I'm not tapping into source. I'm not tapping into that part of me that like when I go for a walk and I'm in nature and I'm like, okay, I can feel something here. I can, mm-hmm. uh, and it's simple sometimes the things that we can do, but so sometimes it's that, but actually one of the things I learned with you once is that, um, it can also be that, Hmm. Like when that feeling comes up, right? And I, I'm, I judge it and want to push it down. It's like there's power there. There's power there that I'm not recognizing, that I'm not giving a voice to, mm. right? And having that open mind, going like, okay, is there? Am I? Am I allowing this? Giving this a voice? Am I allowing this to come out, or am I always stifling it? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it can be, it can be a multitude of things, but it's, it all, again, it always comes back to us. So, and it happens whether it's at work or in relationships or, um, in your entrepreneurial uh, nature, it's, you know, what's, how's this serving me? Mm. Why am I doing this? How's this serving it's me? And, and I feel like what you've spoken to here is bringing yourself in, like noticing when you're in your center. And then noticing if you get thrown off kilter, you're, you know, at at a point where you're out of balance, you know, you're, you're walking on, you know, uneven ground and you can be kind of tossed down. And when we're in situations where we've never experienced what our center is like, we don't have a contrast and a differentiation, you know, like if we've had it that at certain times we're getting angry at traffic and then at other times we aren't we notice that there's a, a contrast, whereas there's a lot of people that just every single time they're just they're just angered, you know, and, and upset. So when we find when we find that center, I feel like the that is its own journey to, to kind of get to. And if, if we you know, so much, yeah. it's a we could talk, we could have, we'd have an entire podcast about getting to that center. But it's a very uh, sweet thing to recognize when we're off balance, though, there is, um, as you were saying, unpotentiated energy often, 
under that imbalance, yeah. right? So when we're in uh, a center point, you know, uh, what always happens for me is I have like diagrams where it's like energy from all angles being pushed evenly, hmm. you know? That's basically what centered is, you know? Right. We're not in a center per se, we've created one, right? And we hmm. are the creator of a centered energy. Whereas, you know, if we've got anger coming up at certain times and we try to repress it, or we've got memories from, from childhood which are correlating to this thing, correlating to, to that, and it's just like a, a snowball effect from where it came from. But what we can end up realizing is that that unpotentiated energy can be used for an immensely positive thing, regardless of if we're utilizing it only to bring us to our center. We can actually use that and have, you know, have fun with it, right? Not sure. not think that there's only one way to express said anger. You right. know, there's there's a multitude of ways. And it's actually I've found with a lot of different energy that it just serves as a motivator, like anger would serve as a motivator. You know, sadness serves as a just a deep resonant reflection point of of yourself and just reminiscing with the universe there's so many different ways we can a attribute it right. when those feelings are overwhelming i often will say like uh anger with like just completely uh uncontrolled would i would be considering not even anger it'd be called rage you right. know and then like sadness you know coupled with just like profoundly powerful um you know just uncontrolled tears and just misery you know it'd be like despair right yeah. you're like sadness and then there's despair right it's like there's layers to all of these these things and each one when we when we are just in the the noticing that it's it has an energy it has a thought of its own it, and it ha it wants to be heard yeah then there's the other part where when we get into the extreme space of despair and rage we are like basically possessed by it. And I feel like in those moments, the only thing that we can do is just sit and just be with it. Yep. And there's not a whole lot of cognitions or mind thought that can come to it that's gonna serve an expression or a balance of it, right? And like, that's a good differentiator yep. of how and what to do with certain vibes and certain energies and how they're coming up and what they're doing, right? Yeah. So. Emotions, emotions are supposed to flow through us, mm -hmm. okay? And I used to think, because uh, I'm a very, I, I could be a very heady person. Uh, it took me a while to tap into the rest of me. Mm -hmm. But I used to kind of envision that all my emotions were in compartments, okay? Mm -hmm. Anger and um sadness and whatever else it's it's all in these compartments and i can have one big happiness and uh, i can keep my anger down because i grew up in a uh, my mom was really angry while i was growing up and stuff like that so it uh anger wasn't a good thing so i'll keep that down and at one point i realized that uh, like in my second year of school that it's if you repress one you repress them all right right it's right. The, it's like love it's like it's just one whole thing you can't you can you can feel you can feel joy at the same extent you can feel sadness and so being able to allow yourself to feel those things right or to um like you said play with it and let that anger out and let that sadness out then 
you, it, it, it flows through us. Like sometimes I have a client come to me and they're like, I'm sad all the time. I'm a really sad person. And I tell them that like, okay, words are key here. Let's right. Let's. And the example I give them is <laughs> when they're telling me, I'm like, okay, so when's the last time that you felt joy? And they're like, uh, I don't know, two weekends ago, I was hanging out with a friend and they said something funny and we like belly laughed for like, you know, two, three minutes and it was so much fun. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, so you're a joyful person. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they're like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, why not? You felt joy. And it passed. The same way that you feel sadness, it passes. You feel anger, it passes. But sadness, anger, grief, all these things we judge. Right. Right? We judge and are scared of them. So we'll, we stuff them down and put a lid on them like a pot. And that, 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 that idea, that saying that people go from like 90 to 100, is bullshit, right? Or that they go from 0 to 100, I mean, is bullshit. They're really going from 90 mm. or 80 mm-hmm. or 70 to 100, mm-hmm. right? Because they're stuffing down emotions and not, then they're just building up, building up 70, 80, Right. So it takes nothing to set them off. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's very key, like you're saying, to be able to um, feel those emotions, express those emotions. And then when you do, you're right. The way I, I explain it, but the way you explained it is the exact same thing, is when we get to a point where it is despair, um, sometimes, sometimes it's not about like, okay, uh, how can I get this out? And it's more about, being gentle with yourself, like just sitting with it, mm-hmm. just accepting yourself. Accepting that if you want to be productive, today's not the day, you know, and they, these are very, very yeah. simple to yeah. apply, but hard when we have expectations yes. of what our output should or ought to be. Yeah. And these are these are the, the simplest things that we can really uh, apply yes. to each individual that, that we see. I've, I've been applying it continually. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to touch on the person that, that you pointed out about the joy and yeah. that they're now a, a joyful person. So I would, I would, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but I assume that if a person is in a state where they are absolutely and entirely sick of their negative feeling, but they're identifying with it, yeah. it means equally on the opposite spectrum. So let's say someone was laughing and joyful. Often what's underneath that unconsciously is, oh my goodness, I'm so happy right now. I hope this never goes away. Oh, I'm a, I just feel this feeling now and oh, I just, uh, now I'm a happy person, right? They're like, <laughs> they, they identify to it yeah. equally as, as much. So by basically bringing yourself, like we think often that by when we're in a joyful state, like if you look into hippy dippy spirituality, law of attraction, you know, when you're in the good state, you know, cultivate more of that good state by just like reveling in it. There's an attached reveling we can do and there's an unattached reveling that we can do. The unattached is hardly a reveling. It's right. literally allowing the energy to pass. And when we're allowing the, the joyful energy to pass just as naturally and, and simply as it comes, yeah. 
where often we aren't either. We're going, oh, more of that. Let's get, let's watch some comedy. Let's keep this train rolling. You know, we get on that flow and then we have the sadness come and we do an equal but opposite thing and we cannot do one without the other, right? So when we have this just completely neutral, you know, unattached, you know, I wouldn't even say detached, you know, there's, there's very subtleties when we speak to emotions and perspectives, because certain words will bring up certain thoughts, but the unattached is just like, if you were to be attached, you just un it, you know, it's like, you know, letting go, go. yes, surrender. Absolutely. You sur- you surrender to the flow of whatever the emotion is coming. Detachment. Yes. I- I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Matt Kahn, but he says any emotion that you're experiencing is uh, it detoxing from your field. So mm-hmm. just observe it detox. It's go- it's going to, to happen. Literally. You know, you quitting coffee and having a <laughs> headache and being like, oh, oh, God, goodness. Oh, no, this is horrible. It's not going to make it go away any faster. If anything, it's going to make it worse. If you just yeah. let it pass through but it's very hard to let the um joyful moments pass through when we've experienced so much despair so Mm -hmm. there's like this balance point where i would also apply it to when someone gives you a compliment and says you're so beautiful if you identify to that and think it's building you up or it's doing something for you, just it's literally like the identification. Like that's that's the the word that I uh, yeah. most applies. You know, you identify to like, oh, person thinks I'm beautiful. Now you are going to take on if someone thinks you're ugly. So what I always say is, you can't take any compliments seriously or any any um, attacks on your character. You can't take any of it seriously. You take it with a grain of salt. Like if yeah. everyone's complimenting your hair because you just got your hair done, cool. That's just simple math, you yeah. know. Like, thank you. yeah, it's just thank, thank you. Yes, yeah. with without too much of the opposite spectrum where you go out and then you know people are giving you these weird looks. It's like, well, that's also simple math. It's like mm-hmm. if you go out looking extremely beautiful sometimes and you do yourself to the nines, you have to expect on the opposite spectrum that the opposite thing is going to happen. And it's about where we set our expectations, right? Yes. And those expectations, if it is coupled with an identification, we just have this messy thing going on where it's really simple. Right. All of these emotions are leaving our system, even the joy though. And this is the thing, yeah. right? And the, these are where, when, when we look at a human individual and we go, okay, so what is it that you're gonna be then when you remove all the sadness and you remove all the joy? Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you going to be like? How, how can a human now trust that that process is going to serve them? And this is why we identify to the joy because we go, this is who I want to be. And then we go, oh, sadness. This is not who I want to be. Oh, now I'm a sad person. Right. And through that, what do you, what would you say a human being will end up as if we've transcended the emotions to a great degree? It's funny. It's fun. Like in asking that question, whenever I hear um, of people who um, have transcended that or like um, have reached enlightenment, um, which I'm not the biggest fan of that word of myself, but the richness that I've felt in my life is because I'm human. It's because of the very emotions in which you are speaking of, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to lose those. Like, 
I don't know what enlightenment is or um, I, I or in, to be in that for the rest of my days. But I think the, the, there's such beauty in being human and having those, um, having those emotions and being able to accept yourself there that I don't know what you become. Like, do you become a robot? Do you just, you're just numb to everything? Uh, like, it doesn't matter. I think there's a difference between that and what you're speaking of, where it's just you're accepting whatever anyone says to you, and you're not making it mean anything about you, right? Um, that you're existing in the world, and what I can do, how I react, because that's the only thing you have control of, mm. right, is how I react to things. So, okay, so let me let me use this as an example. So I'm sure you've gone from um, some degree of a linear progression in your evolution, right? So we go like our extremes, let's say equilibrium is in the center. Mm. We've got these extremes of highs and lows, highs and lows. And now you're, you're getting, I'm, I'm sure you're yeah. getting more and more close to the center, right? Yeah. So there's this idea. The idea ultimately would be, you know, let's use enlightenment. Yeah loosely because what that term would be I, I would say once again is misapplied because you could be spiritually enlightened emotionally enlightened mentally mm. right so your your intellect can be come to this point where all of the things that are relevant for your journey are immediately known there's no contemplation right. required you know and yeah. this is this is you you know we could talk for forever but yeah. so as far as emotional enlightenment is concerned you know this is what people are usually concerned with when they start studying spirituality they go well okay so i want to have this experience of being this person that is just going to feel good all the time yeah. but good now takes on a new uh, quality because mm -hmm. if joy is not part of it and happiness is not part of it peace right so now we've got you know the peace. only I, I only know the words in sanskrit which is sat cheat ananda which mm -hmm. is I, I know two of them are consciousness and bliss but like probably the other one would be equivocal to peace you know um so once once you get into this state in the raw material, which is a book that basically is once again teaching you how to evolve your, your yourself, they they just speak to once you've done uh, all of your not all of but once you've done personal work to a certain point, yeah. now your soul can walk through the universe with an unfettered tread. Mm -hmm. So the unfettered tread to me is the equivocal aspect of being emotionally enlightened, because if someone says something to you. You don't feel anything other than Satchit Ananda. You're just in your blissful state. Right. Bliss is, however, not polarizingly positive yeah. and not polarizingly negative. It's just equivocal. It's in the balance point between them both, yeah. which is something that when it comes down to really comes back to and applies to the relationship thing because we go, well, once you're sick of those highs and lows, what are you seeking? Right. We, we must be seeking it on all levels, you know, and um, relationships, personal, emotional, ideally mental as well, because if we have all of these thoughts that are polarizingly positive, like Oh, everything's gonna be, you know, like obviously that would probably have to do with in 
emotional state coupling with it. But but still, you know, it's uh, I, I would say with the, the mind, it's more about um, the dichotomy of us versus them, you know, and when mm. we stop seeing others as others, you know, we've had this intellectual enlightenment point where we go, oh, well, this is 100%. Is, like, is. I know I know I know what you're speaking of there. Mm-hmm. Like I've definitely had. Um, definitely had those moments, those epiphanies, those truths, mm-hmm. like those truths in my life where um, I, yeah, there is nothing, there's there's nothing that someone could say. I'd like that um, we're all one, mm-hmm. right? Having that epiphany, having that like, like breathing it in and being like, yeah, I'm connected to everything else feeling, right? Mm-hmm. And now that doesn't stay that 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 feeling um but there's vibrations of mm-hmm. it that that flow into my life and that i can always kind of tap into and remember and ground myself in uh yeah so it's yeah it's a tough thing because it's in our in the society that we live in and having relationships like we've spoken of it's um How do you operate? Like I went to school with a girl, okay? And she reached this place for herself that she um, she, was, she was definitely in bliss. Like there was definitely a period of time where she was in bliss. But to the point where her relationships, um, and even she would t- say like, her relationships with her children or her relationships with her husband were deteriorating because to her, nothing was good and nothing was bad. Mm-hmm. It was all just there and beautiful, like beautiful to the point where she'd cry often just at the beauty of things. And that's kind of a conundrum in the world, Right. That, um, and even when asked, well, what about if you're like, someone said, well, you know, what's your husband going to do? And she's like, whatever happens, happens there and it will be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a tough place for someone else to be in with you. Right. Kids, family, work, all of these sorts of things. So what happens then? Right. I'm not sure if she stayed in it, but it's a, it's a conundrum. It's like, okay, well, how how do we exist in the world that we live in and have relationships with people? Cause other people are not gonna maybe understand. What well, that, that, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I think that when we're doing our personal work, if our partner isn't also doing a very similar trajectory focused intention work, right. You will. And, that relationship with that person. It is mm. impossible to stay in that same proximity of vibration. You know, it's impossible. You right. cannot, right? And that's that's the, that to me is beautiful, right? Mm. To a lot of people, they think that a happy relationship means staying together. Right. That does not equal a happy relationship to me. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. That doesn't ha- make any sense. Having an end sometimes is... <laughs> having an, an end sometimes if it is applied, right? So let's go back to the word misapplied, right? Yeah. A misapplied assumption is that a happy relationship 
must always look like this. Right. Right. Whereas um, when a person gets to a point where they're everything just is as it is, yep. um, the other person will have a lot of things come up for them. That's mandatory because if they're not in that state, what the other person is saying won't make sense. Yeah. So can you evolve beyond a point where your partner, even if they're on a trajectory of evolution in the same way, you can far surpass them any short period of, of time if you know you are really committing to letting go of all of the things and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm meditating every night. I'm uprooting all of the aspects of my consciousness. Some people can't keep up with that. And then they could be triggered. And then your children, who are a product of the environment of what they're around, where, mom, I want candy, mom, I want this, and da-da-da, all of that just no longer applies to this mind, which just sees things in, in equilibrium. But what I would also say, though, is that it's it sounds like she is misapplying her enlightenment or whatever she would like to call it because... You must now, if you can get into that state, you must now find a way to relate to others. If you don't, you have yes. not actually you activated yeah. your full enlightenment. To in integrate. To integrate it. You must integrate it around other people. And this is the thing where in Eastern spirituality and just about anyone would yeah. be able to go, oh, well, I guess she just needs to leave her family and just become a sannyasin and just go to mm. a, a, a temple. It's like, well... Sure, that's an option, but that's the easy way out. You yeah. do know that that is the easy way out. It is far harder to live in this society and have people that have expectations of you, but you now not taking on those expectations and staying within your equilibrium state. Yeah. Can she anchor that? It's because I would, I would argue that she would not see that there is an issue in her marriage and relationships had she known that there's more to do. And this is the problem with the idea of a perpetual state of enlightenment is that it, it um, entertains the idea that there's no more left to do. Now you see all as it is, non-duality, you're done. But you're not done and you're never done. If you think that you're, you're, you're done, it's like there's like a gradation point where you reach it and you can walk through life with an unfettered tread hmm. in this context now bring a new context right? right if you can do it in a family can you do it in a business it mm -hmm. might not be that the business is relevant for you but very often for most people you know there's a way to live a good human life and you know that's to have good people around you mm -hmm. that's to put food on your table in a good way you know like there's very simple things there's not only so many things that you can do and people when they go let's say they just do temple life but they do it as a lay person at, at home but they just are very focused on their spiritual practice but now they're alienated from the world it's like, once again, it's a misapplied way to go about living, unless that's all you want to do. But I, I beg the, <laughs> the, the point yeah. that no one would want to do that had they had the option <clears throat> to realize that actually the thing that every human being wants to do is to be able to do everything that they any human being would want to do, but do that with an unfettered tread, right. not just to live this simple life with an, 
like that. You know, you don't need to do. Who would want? Who wants to do that? Who wants to just right. sit in one spot? You want to sit in one <laughs> spot till you activate the point of the belief that you can stay in bliss and you've anchored enough bliss and now it's the integration of the application yeah. in every context that every other human being lives in, right? Yeah. yeah. It's no different than when I've been here and had these, like uh, done work with you and mm-hmm. definitely had uh, epiphanies and truths and um, healing and then gone, okay, the thing that I experienced isn't life. I'm not going to say reality because... It may be a far greater reality than actually (laughs) what this is. But um, to experience that and then go, okay. Not so much like I get so solely focused on I need to experience that all the time. Mm -hmm. And more, how do I integrate that into my life? Right? Which is what I try to do. I try to go, okay, take that and then go, how can I apply this? How can I live this more in, in, into, into my life? Mm-hmm. Right? That's beautiful. And what, what's coming to mind, which is a, a beautiful way to, to end, we're just, just past an hour here, um, is that if we attain a certain state <clears throat> and then we want to continually be in said state, we are actually using attachment. Hmm. So we will end up being stuck in this thing that really uh, ascends us, right? We go, okay, non-attachment, non-attachment. Oh, I activated this state. Now it serves to utilize attachment? How so? It goes back to what you said at the beginning where um, we were talking about attachments um, or and having that, well, you said, well, you can the same way a phone or TV or something like this, you can do that the same with this work. Mm-hmm. right or going to the gym something that's healthy mm-hmm. right and now that attack you're just that attachment looks different it's you've attached it to something that uh is beautiful right, right? but right. you're not are you living it or are you just having experiences i feel like with each step of the journey there is a new balance point required a new center right, yeah. right? and and if we wish to continue to keep going well, the enlightenment just keeps going yeah. and going. But it's been it's been a pleasure chatting. I'm a hundred percent sure we're gonna do it again. Yeah, this, yeah. Was, this was good. We didn't even touch on all the things we no, wanted to talk not about. Even close. Um, if people want to connect with you, is there any way that you wish to be reached out to? Yeah, you can uh, contact me on Facebook. Uh, you can con- at uh, Within Reach Counseling, mm-hmm. uh, WithinReachCounseling.com. Uh, do yeah. you do you do online sessions as well? I do, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. awesome. I, I do online sessions as well. I'm based out of Langley. Um, if I have an office there. So, yeah, you can reach out to me or just reach out to me on Facebook as well, uh, Jerry Fleming. And, yeah, uh, I've had a blast here. Mm. Yeah. Pleasure, Thanks. brother. Thanks for having me, man. See you again. Yeah.